0: Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Um, we started with unnecessary pressure last week. We, we did part one. And so this week we'll do part two. And um, just to recap on one thing before I get started, we got a good bit to cover, so I'm going to jump right into it. But just to recap, I titled this Unnecessary Pressure, and it's... Uh, um, it's um. <laughs> it's unnecessary pressure. I'm not saying the pressure is not real. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's not kind of nerve wracking when you're talking to to random people about Jesus and that stuff comes up in conversation. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's not necessary when you know God's word and you just give it to the Lord. Cool? Okay. Am I a little high pitch? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So look, let's get started. It's going to be, um, Point number one, we're going to talk about two what-if questions that we got from you guys in your small groups. Um, The first question we're going to cover is, what if I haven't always been a best example of a Christian? And the second question we're going to cover today is, what if other Christians see me hanging around sinners or worldly people? Cool? All right. So let's get started. So um, what if I haven't always been the best example of a Christian? What if I haven't always been the best example of a Christian? So the answer, in short, is welcome to the club, because nobody's always been the best example of a Christian. That's the whole point of Jesus. So, um, you know, when I was thinking about that question, I was trying to think about that, you know, answering that question from my own life experience, so that you know the Lord could guide me into Scripture and and stuff. And I started thinking you know, how, how far I fall short personally of Jesus's perfection, you know, and it, it started to show me a lot like, man, that, that really helps me share the gospel when I am that imperfect because it makes Jesus look that much more perfect in contrast, you know. Um, and so it brought to mind a scripture. Um, in 2 Corinthians twelve nine. Paul says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. The truth is that we all fall short of being perfect, like I mentioned. And so when someone says to you, you know, well, you're a Christian, but you did blank in the past, that's a great opportunity to practice the gospel message. It's a great opportunity to practice the gospel message. Step number one is humbling yourself and repenting. So when somebody has something against you, if you'll humble yourself and repent to the Lord and to that person, you'll receive forgiveness. And with a humble heart, we know that God's love, grace, and restoration comes into play. The Bible says that he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if you'll humble yourself, and I have a a, a little story about that that I'll get into. Um, So you remember, I've told everybody my testimony, kind of what I came out of, you know, drinking, doing drugs, all that type of stuff. Um, And if you haven't heard, there you go. So that's where I come from. Well, I was, I was saved for about six months and, you know, I I always maintained the friendships that I had before I got saved. But I was safe for about six months, and man, I end up going to a, a party with some friends that I invited me to, and um, and it, we ended up downtown. We ended up going out, and so I'm safe for six months. I'm out downtown, and somebody buys me a beer, and um, I didn't think nothing of it, but I felt like in in here, like I was doing something wrong, but I couldn't explain that, and um, so I just said sure, you know, and I I took the beer, drank the beer, and you know, a couple. Minutes passed, I guess, and somebody brought me another beer. And so I drank another beer. And so this carried on for the rest of the night. And then I ended up at home, um, smoked weed again at home. And I had been saved for six months, you know. And, man, all of a sudden, I realized that whole time I should have followed what that, that the voice was telling me. That voice was telling me, don't take this, don't take the beer, don't take, you know, the." the other beer, and and on and on. Every step of the way, that voice was there, right? But I didn't listen to it. And so I get home, I'm drunk, I'm high, and then all of a sudden, boom, the same temptation that was leading me, that same voice that was telling me, ah, it's not that big a deal, just go ahead, that same voice flipped the script. And that same voice was now telling me, dude, it was a good run while it lasted. It was a good six months um, of being saved, but you blew it, that's it, you're done. And so, man, it grieved me. Well, the next day, we were in the middle of prayer and fasting. And the next day during prayer and fasting, I had told a friend of mine who had just got saved that we would go to the lunchtime prayer meeting at the main auditorium. And how many of you remember Pastor Nick in here? So a good bit of people. Well, he was leading it. And um, he was leading the prayer meeting. And man, when I woke up the next morning, I was still kind of hungover. I was still kind of... Foggy headed, you know, um, from the, that night of partying. And I didn't feel worthy or adequate to go back to church. I mean, I was finished. Well, thank God that Aaron um, was, was persistent, man. He was calling me, hey, dude, why are you not answering your phone, leaving me voicemails? And so finally, I hear a knock at my door and I open it up and I'm still in my PJs. And Aaron's like, hey, dude, what are you doing? We got to go to church. We got 10 minutes. And, um, and so I was like, bro, look, I told him what happened. And he just said, I don't care, get dressed, let's go. And so I was like, all right, man. So I got dressed, I came to church and I'm sitting in the, in the auditorium in the back and we had a little bit of praise and worship and prayer. And during that time, I remember just to myself, just crying and I was broken about what I did. The sin broke my heart. And I remember just saying to the Lord, like, God, I'm so sorry if you'll give me another shot. I won't do this again. Like, if you'll just give me one more chance, it was great. The last six months of my life were great. I blew it. If you'll take me back, and I just, that's just what was going on. Well, Pastor Nick, right after that, you know, said, hey, you know, uh, do we have any testimonials for prayer and fasting? (laughs) I'm sure he was probably taken off guard by this, but Man, I had one, you know, so I didn't know any better, man. I walked down. I was like, yeah, I got one, and and Pastor Nick knew who I was. So, man, I grabbed the microphone, and, I mean, all the people that were in their prayer meeting, <laughs> I grabbed the microphone, and I said, y'all, I got a testimony. <laughs> I said, I went out last night. I got drunk. I got high. <laughs> and everybody's eyes got about this big around. And Pastor Nick, I about imagines, like, oh, my goodness, where is this going? So, um I said, and, and then I started crying in front of everybody. And I was like, and I'm so sorry. And I just want God to take me back. I'm so sorry. I just came from this lifestyle. I don't want to go back. And, um, and I just, I repent. And I didn't know what you were supposed to do to repent. So I just repented to everybody. And so, man, it was a talk about community. I mean, five is how, how many of y'all know Brother Francis Bork? So man, Brother Francis gets out the row, and just a couple other faces I can remember got out, you know, men that came, lay their hands on me, and and just prayed for me, and just prayed for strength for me and just all that type of stuff. Man, from that day forward, I've never done those things again. I've never been drunk again, never been high again, and I never wanted to. I just don't want to. Well, but but something changed in me, and that was the Lord showing me conviction. I learned about conviction in that situation condemnation in that situation, repentance, forgiveness. I learned a lot. So a couple months go by, I guess three, four months go by, and I had a roommate. And I wake up one morning, and um, I had plenty of roommates. So I wake up one morning, and one of them is just broken, man. He's just sitting on on the couch and just upset, you know, smells the, smells the bar room. I mean, smells like a bar, you know, and he's just torn up, man. And I was like, bro, what's up? And he said, "Dude, I, I did something so stupid last night." And I said, well, "What happened?" Well, the long of the short with him was, he went out, partied, and he cheated on his girlfriend. And she found out. They were they were dating for a long time. Broke up with him. So you know, it, I don't like seeing people hurt. You know, and it broke my heart to see him hurting like that. But I knew what led him there. You know, and so I, I just was so heartfelt. I said, "Man." I'm so sorry that happened, dude. But don't don't let this situation happen more than once. Let's let's figure out how, how'd you get here, you know. And I was just being genuine and um and I said, you know, that's one of the reasons the Bible says not to be drunk. It's not that God wants to just put some mandate on us to keep us from doing fun things or something like that. There's a reason. Because when you're drunk, you tend to make poor decisions. And those poor decisions can lead to stuff like this. Well man, he straightened up, furious. He looked at me, he's like, How dare you tell me anything about Jesus or the Bible? He said, three, four months ago, you were drunk and high in this living room. Man, talk about that what-if question. I experienced that what-if question, and I didn't know what to do. And in that moment, like I said, the bedrock of evangelism, the Holy Spirit started to reveal. I had to humble myself, I had to humble myself. So first I humbled myself and I admitted to him, you know, dude, you're right. I was wrong for that. But let me tell you what you didn't see. And I told him about the church experience and just how I repented and and stuff like that. And a verse came to my mind and I shared this verse. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that a brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother. Then come and offer your gift. And then in James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. And I'd heard a pastor say around this time that sin by nature is offensive. It's even offensive to people who aren't Christians. And that's a picture, you know, when I I heard that and then I experienced this, I thought, man, he's offended. He seems offended that I would dare tell him, you know, man, you know, witness to him when I slipped up. And so I told him, man, look, you know, I I see where you're coming from and I see why you would think that, but let me tell you about, let me tell you about Jesus and and, and how he handled me. And so by doing that, you know, I I removed the ammunition you know, when somebody says, well, you did this in the past, I remo- if you, if you humble yourself, you'll take away the ammunition. They won't have any stones to throw because you'll admit to that fault. If you've repented, you'll tell them about that process and it leads right into the gospel. So after, after I admitted my fault and I apologized to him, you know, I told him a few scriptures as well, you know, that nobody's perfect. I said, look, man, all people have fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Um, obviously, I didn't recite it just like that, but that was the gist. Um, and in this situation, you know, I had fallen, and, and even God had used uh, my fallen short to evangelize to him. Um, you know, I told him that God never expected us to be perfect on our own, and that that's why he sent his son, Jesus. And so I read this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And also in First John it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what if we haven't always been the best Christians? then preach the gospel in that situation from a humble heart, from a humble heart. Last week we talked about, you know, what if I'm judgmental? Well, this will certainly bring you some humility really quick and take that judgmental platform real quick out from under you. Because, look, guys, nobody's perfect, and we're not done sinning either. That's why we have a Savior that we can continually repent to. So when we realize that, we can... We can humble ourselves, right? Okay, the next question. What if other Christians see me hanging around sinners or worldly people? So I hope this ain't too many stories for you, but I just... Do y'all like stories? Okay, okay, good. Um, so what if other Christians see me hanging around sinners or worldly people? I'm going to address this, and there's, just like anything else, there's two ends of the spectrum. You got one end of the spectrum where... People use hanging out with, with sinful people and partaking in the things that they do. They use that as an excuse to evangelize. And God never calls us to sin in order to reach people. So that's one end of the spectrum. Then you have the other end of the spectrum to where there are people who they're just too good to be around sinners. They don't want to get that dirty sin residue on them type thing. you know. And that's the mindset. And that's nothing new. It's nothing new. Um, and we'll read about that, but first, um, it was right around the time I had just started, I just came on staff officially as a pastor here, and, um, I went to Agave for a bunch of friends, uh, one of them had a birthday party, and so, Agave's a Mexican restaurant, if y'all don't know, um, so I went to Agave, um, and we're sitting around a table, and a couple of guys at the table—none of these guys are Christians—and a couple of the guys at the table had gotten drinks, um, like a margaritas and stuff. And so um, we're we're just hanging out, eating, and um, and I noticed—I thought I recognized somebody from across the restaurant, but I, I wasn't sure. And and then they started walking towards me, and it's 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 another Christian. It's, it's somebody that I know from church, you know. And um, they kind of walked towards me, and and um. They were, They. I mean, we made eye contact, you know, and I, I'm the type of person, if I see someone I know, I'm going to go tell them hi. Like, you don't want to run into me in the grocery store because I'm the guy that's going to talk to you, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I see this guy and I'm like, hey, man. And I mean, just walked right by man. I even turned around to shake his hand and just whoop, went right out of the room. And I was like, man, I, that was, I just got dissed, you know? <laughs> so um, oh, man, maybe he didn't see me and we were paying you know and so we were leaving and so we were walking outside and I saw him in the parking lot and I was like hey dude what's up and he he turned to me and um this was this was his words he was like uh, he said bruh, who you eating with who's that and I was like oh man that's just some friends of mine he was like what do they have at the table and I didn't understand where he was going and i thought he was asking like food uh, i don't know and he said, "I seen they had a couple of those dudes with margaritas. You condone that stuff?" And I said, "Dude, of, of course I don't condone going get drunk and all those things. My lifestyle says that I don't condone that. I'm a pastor. They know that." And um, and I said, "You know, they don't. They don't know. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know." And and let me let me hit the pause button real quick. While I'm preaching this stuff, I love these guys. These are my friends. But while I'm preaching this stuff, I wouldn't preach this any different if they were in here. Just so you all know, I don't think that, you know, I'm a A A-class citizen because I'm a Christian and they're not. Here's the difference. They know about Jesus, but he's not the Lord of their life. And I'll tell them that because that's the truth. And it's not like you have to accomplish anything crazy to become a Christian. You just have to really want Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You have to confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you'll be saved. And so I keep it that simple because it is that simple, right? And so while I'm telling you stories, if they were in here, they would be sitting here like, yeah, that—that's the way. that's the way it is. So in other words, I don't hide Jesus, but I don't put him on a pedestal that they can't reach. Does that make sense, guys? Okay. So, um went through uh went through that and so I'm on my way I'm on my way home and I I mean I'm not going to lie I was pretty mad you know cuz man it was it was just it took me off guard you know um because I'm very passionate about people who don't know Jesus I want them to have a relationship that I have right and so I'm just I'm venting to God. You know, I'm driving home. If somebody saw me at the red light, they, they were probably like, cool, man, that dude must be on speakerphone fussing at somebody or something. But I'm just airing it out, man. I'm just letting the Lord just listen to me like he's sitting in the passenger seat. And um, and then you know how the Lord speaks sometimes and just silences you instantly? I don't know if you ever experienced that, but the, the Lord can just speak and just whoop, like humble you, you know? Well, he did that. And he cut through all my complaining and bickering and he said, I understand the way you feel. I went through that too. And he brought this story to my mind. Luke 5, 27 through 30. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. Okay, so this tax collector the the sinner, right? He held the party and invited Jesus. Okay. So, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And so, I'm reading this book right now. It's called Be Real. And I thought this was really good. Just Keeping in mind the people that Jesus hung around. Um, It says uh, the author uh, Rick Bazet, or Bizet, I don't know how you say it, but one of those two. um, Consider who Jesus, the son of God, chose to be his closest friends and confidants. It was an earthly working class group of fishermen and average Joes, not the religious leaders and Jewish elite. He wanted people who were willing to be real, not people who appeared to have it all together. He came for the sick the broken, the desperate, the hungry, and the heartbroken. The people pretending to have their lives together didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say because they didn't want to be real. God would prefer that we be messed, we be messed up people with tender hearts rather than perfect fakers who think they don't need Jesus. And so being around people like that is refreshing to me. Not because I enjoy the sin, but I know that they're at the lowest point they can be and when they meet Jesus, He's gonna rock their world. That's what. That's why I'm so passionate about evangelism. So this leads me to the, my next point: We're the light of the world. So when people ask, remember, this is in the context of: What if other Christians, or or you know, not all Christians are this way, but some some Christians can be judgmental? What if those people see me around sinful people? Okay, so we're the light of the world. Um, I'm gonna paint this picture to you, and I'm gonna slow down a little bit. Because I I want you to imagine this. And if you want to close your eyes, you can. You don't have to. Um, But just hear me on this, okay? So in Genesis 1, chapter 1, 1 through 4. Let's see. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. In John 1, 1 through 9, in the beginning, again, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, that's Jesus. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The new King James says, the darkness has not overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness, talk about witnessing, to testify concerning the light, Jesus, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only to witness to the light, as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world John 8:12 When Jesus spoke again to people to the people he said I am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life Later on we read Matthew 5:14 through 16 You are the light of the world A city on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl Instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. So here's an upset. I forgot to bring a flashlight because this would have been a killer illustration. So what I liked, what I was gonna do is say, hey, I I could use my phone, but I tried, it, it doesn't work. Okay, so what I'd like to do is have somebody turn the lights off And me take a flashlight and shine it on the carpet all over the place. And it's bright. You can see it. There's no missing it because it's totally dark in here. Okay. Now, if I would take that same flashlight and keep it on and keep flashing it and turn these lights on, you can't see the flashlight because the lights are on. Y'all following so far? Okay. And so if we take everything we just read into context, we're the light. The darkness is sin. And so when you're around sinful people, You just got to live and be around them and live your life for Jesus. Just continue to live for Jesus. And when you're around them, they will see the light in you, right? And so a lot of times people will get saved and they'll stay in in a safe place. They'll stay in in, in church and not go around anyone in in a sinful place. But it's super bright in church. There's all the lights in church. You know, people need to be witness to, you know, really, church is where people get you know, filled up to go out and 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 share the gospel, right? That's the whole the whole book of Acts is about that, right? Am I am I uh, getting through to you? So check this out. Um, thinking of everything I just read, I just felt led to do this. So someone who knew Jesus, a Christian, hung out with me when I was a lost sinner, right? And I'd imagine somebody was probably looking at that person saying, what in the world is he doing hanging out with that guy? Um, They took time to invest into a relationship with me, a friendship with me, Um, because they were in a relationship with Jesus, the light of the world since the beginning of time. They were filled with that light. My darkness or my sin did not overcome them. I saw that something was different about them. I never felt judged or condemned. I felt loved. That led me to want to know about that light or the love that I felt in them. The fruit that I saw in their lives, that intrigued me, right? And so all of this led me to come to church and I got saved in church. Fast forward five years, now I'm a pastor. If you would have said five years ago that I'd be a pastor, people would have laughed you out of the room. That's, that's, that's crazy talk. But it's because one person decided to be friends with me who was a Christian and they didn't preach at me, I saw that their lifestyle didn't condone my lifestyle. They didn't participate in the sinful activities I did, but they were still friends with me. Does that make sense, guys? So here's what I'm not doing. I just wanna be clear. I'm not saying sin, all right? Jesus will never call you to sin in order to reach someone. That's a lie from, that's a lie from hell. That's the way to get you off that off balance, so let me balance this message out. Like I said earlier, there's two extremes. There's there's the religious person of Jesus' day. That same religious spirit is still around today, okay? It doesn't doesn't matter if you're a Jew or not. That same religious spirit can be on Christians. Okay? We got to be careful. Anyone can fall into that, including myself. All right? So there's the one Christian on this side of the spectrum who is just too good to hang around sinners, right? And then there's the Christian on the other side of the spectrum who uses the term witnessing or evangelism as an excuse to sin. And so let's address that. Paul does a good job at the balance, okay, the the in-between middle ground. So in 1 Corinthians 5, um, I'm going to sum up verses 1 through 8. So pretty much Paul's writing a letter to the Corinthian church, and he's catching wind that they're doing some crazy things in their church. These are all saved people, all right? And they're doing some things that the way Paul puts it, not even Gentiles, so not even people who don't know Jesus, not even them, they're not even doing this crazy stuff that you're doing, and you're calling yourself the church. So so Paul's rebuking these guys for living in a life of sin and calling themselves a Christian. That's what's going on here. And in the middle of all of that stuff, and at the beginning, go read it for yourself, it's some disgusting stuff. In the middle of the things that they're doing, in the middle of him fussing at them, he stops to say this, okay, let's start here. I have written you written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. But now I'm writing that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother that is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. With such a man do not even eat? And he goes on to say, What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. And so what Paul is saying is, hey guys, this whole rebuke, that's at you. You're the Christian church. That's for you. Don't expect sinful people who don't know Jesus to act any differently. They don't know Jesus. They don't have the Holy Spirit to guide and convict them. And it's not our job to do that. Our job is to love them. Like Billy Graham said, it's God's job to judge, the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and our job to love people, right? Now that's talking about people out of the church. It is our job in the church, as we see here, and if you if you go into Galatians, he talks more about that. When you see a brother or sister in Christ, okay, someone who professes to be a Christian, to not shout down at them and condemn them, right? That's not the judgment that he's talking about, the judgment he's talking about is holding each other accountable. You know, a quick example of that is I had a friend of mine who he had a girlfriend for a while. They were both Christians and he was sleeping with her. And when I found out about it, I told him, hey, man, you you know, you know, I love you. I wouldn't be telling you this stuff if I wasn't ready to walk out of it with you, dude. What you're doing is wrong. And you're you're willfully sinning. You know what you're doing is wrong. You're willfully sinning, that's called iniquity. Alright? The Bible calls that iniquity. You, you you're living off base, dude. And he didn't receive it too well at first. And I and and I understand, you know, it's not fun to get called out on your sin. But he knew I loved him. And he knew I was genuinely my my take was this God, you can't expect the Lord to bless something that's not holy. And if you really value this girl and you really value your relationship, you'll keep it holy so that God can bless it. Because when it becomes unblessed, you're going to have to try to sustain it on your own because you can't receive the blessing from the Lord. Say that to say, I held him accountable. I didn't excuse that action. So I just, I'm I'm really driving that home because I don't want to sound like I'm saying, go and live a sinful lifestyle and call it evangelism. And at the same time, I don't want you to stay hidden from all the, everybody who doesn't know Jesus. Is that good? Okay. And so, you know, I think I talked about uh, that enough, but in short, um, the issue isn't whether or not you're supposed to hang out with people who don't know Jesus, with unbelievers. The issue is who's doing the influencing, right? So in closing, let's talk about that, who's doing the influencing. In James one twenty-seven, it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The uh, new King James says, unspotted by the world. And so what that's saying is, if we take what we learned earlier about mixing with lost people, Jesus did that, Paul did that. Um, I didn't read this earlier, but Paul rebuked Peter for not doing that. Um, If we take that and put it in the context here, not to be spotted by the world, that's saying don't be influenced by the world. You know, I've heard this, I've heard people say I'm not of the I'm not of the world as an excuse to isolate themselves from unbelievers and stay in a safe spot in church. But here's the proper context of that verse. Let's bring that in the in the proper perspective, okay? John seventeen, fourteen through eighteen. I have given them your word this is Jesus talking okay let me preface it this is Jesus talking he's talking to to God the Father and and he's 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 praying out loud okay and he's saying i have given them your word and the uh, yeah your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than i am of the world let's pause right there for they are not of the world any more than i am of the world in the context the people that hated jesus were the religious judgmental Pharisees, not the sinners. The sinners loved Jesus. At every, everywhere in the gospel, sinners wanted to be around him because he provided a love and a hope that they couldn't encounter around a religious people. Y'all following? Okay, so sinners loved him. He's talking about the religious people of that day. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you'd protect them from the evil one. So he's saying, my prayer is not that you would take the Christians, the light out of the darkness, out of the world, my prayer is that you'd protect them from falling in the sin. You'd protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So he's praying and asking God, hey, keep them safe from falling into temptation, from Satan, but give them, give them your word, give them the word that you wrote on my heart, give that to them. When they're in the world, prepare them. In the moment, Holy Spirit, remind them. That's, what, that's the things that he's asking here. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So Jesus is sending them into the world. So it's funny, that can be taken out of context and say, we're not of the world. Well, in, now we know the context of that verse. Matthew five thirteen. you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, some verses say if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. couple key points. If you're not staying in good relationship with Jesus, your salt is losing its flavor. Okay? You remember the first message, the bedrock of evangelism? It's about staying plugged into Jesus and that's the bedrock of evangelism. If you're not staying in a good relationship with Jesus, your salt's losing its flavor. If you're living in sin, iniquity, regular sin, your salt has lost its flavor. You need to hear that. If you're living in regular sin and you know it, you're just letting it go, your salt has lost its flavor. Your influence has dropped out. And if you look just like the lost people that you hang out with in every way, including spiritually, guess what? You're lost too. Warming a seat at church does not make you saved. I, I got to remember that, and everybody here needs to know that. What i to see at church does not make you saved. Having a relationship with Jesus is what makes you saved. And the Bible says that you will desire to do what he wants, to, he wants you to do. You will desire to do his will when you're saved. So let's stand. Um, and I didn't give a, a heads up, but look, Josh is the man already on. Um, just go ahead and bow your heads. And I'm gonna have um, I'm gonna have some altar workers come up here. Just bow your heads and let's just get quiet. And right where you are, no no talking. Don't don't don't. Just focus on the Lord, okay? And just ask the Lord to come right where you are. Create your own little secret place. Okay, and I'm gonna ask you a couple questions. So every head bow, every eyes close, every eye closed. I want you to be honest with yourself. Have you, okay? Three have you questions. Have you been the Christian who has been too holy to hang out with non-Christians? Jesus calls you to befriend sinners. If you don't love love them, who will love them? If you're a Christian and you refuse to befriend sinners, if you don't do it, who's going to do it? The reality is it's on you and you're neglecting your responsibility. That's part of the gospel, the ministry of reconciliation. I want to highlight something to do with that. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you on that, a lot of times that's a response to fear. But perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Second, have you been the Christian who has been using the terms witnessing, evangelism, or just making excuses as an excuse to sin. If that's the case, your salt has lost its flavor. You need to know that. Have your friends who are unbelievers influenced you more than you've influenced them? Chances are, if that's the case, you're not not depending on the grace of God. You're not spending adequate time with God. You're having more time with lost people than you are your Savior. But here's the good news, okay? Jesus says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And he also said, Paul says, or John says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If while I was just praying, you're in here and you're saying, man, I fit one of those things. I've been that Christian who's too good to hang out with sinners. Or I've been that Christian who's making an excuse to to hang out with sinners and and sin. You know that if that's you. If that's you, on a count of three, I just want you to come up here and just pray with somebody. This isn't something that you can just do in your flesh. This is something that requires the grace of God. And there's no shame in that. I need the same grace that you need, guys. So don't be hesitant. One, two, three. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your boldness. The rest of you that are here, Feel free to to just worship where you're at. If you gotta leave, you're you're welcome to. But before you do, I wanna remind you of this. There isn't a person on this earth who is sinless and spotless, not one person. And right now, you you may be clean. You might might be repentant. You might be fresh in your relationship with God. But never, ever allow the enemy to condemn you and, and keep you in shame from repenting. All right, if somebody needs to hear that, Repentance is something quick and easy. All all you got to do is let the Lord have it. And He will be faithful to forgive you, okay? So for the rest of y'all and everybody in here, love y'all. Y'all are dismissed. Have a good week. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.